Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today we're going to talk with a couple of uh, seniors in high school who are just getting ready to graduate. With me in the studio is co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. We have two guests with us right now, and we're hoping that a third will be around at uh, some sometime soon. Uh, Monica Black is here. She's from Bloomington High School North. And Joe Walsh is here from Bloomington High School South. If you have questions or comments uh, for these folks or for uh, Mary Catherine or I, just phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Monica, Joe, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here with us today. I should say that uh, we're hoping that Kayla Fleener from Aurora will make it here. And we have uh, just three microphones, so we couldn't couldn't have people from all the other schools that are in our our, uh, listening area. So uh, we have Monica, Joe, and hopefully Kayla will will be around. So it's getting close. Uh, You said seven days, right? Yes, that's right. Monica said seven days, but she's not counting. No, I'm not. Till the end of school. Uh, So let's just start with uh, what's next for both of you. And Monica, why don't you go first? Well, next year I'm going to go to Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana. And I'm really looking forward to that because I knew I wanted to go away to school and initially, I thought I wanted to go far, far away, like California or the East Coast or something. But Richmond's only two hours, and so I can still come home. And it's a small liberal arts school, and I'm really excited. Do you know what you're going to study? I, I don't know. I could do a lot of things. Um, and I think if I said I was going to do something, I know it will change. So I don't really want to stick to something <laughs> now. Uh, but environmental science, psychology, journalism, mm-hmm. those are a couple of, a couple of fields I could major in. So all, we'll see. All three are great. Mm-hmm. I, I particularly like the last one. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, Joe, how about you? I will be attending Georgetown University next year, um, School of Foreign Service. Uh, they say it stands for Safe, for Sci- Safe from Science. So uh, <laughs> Safe I'm pretty excited about science. that. Uh, I'll be studying international politics, maybe international political economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I am doing the, the far, far away from home thing. Uh, you know, I'm a little apprehensive about it, but at the same time, I think it's going to be nice to be out on my own, be able to get away from, you know, parents and have to do my own laundry and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we, we've done this show now six or seven times uh, at the end of the year, having um, high school graduating seniors come on. And it's always, it's always fun. It's always interesting. And, and I always learn something about uh, what's going on with, with you guys today. I mean, just... That, you know your introductions. I mean, Monica is interested in one set of things, and Joe, obviously, you're, you're interested in politics and foreign service. That's uh, certainly different. Let's just jump into to what is going on, sort of nationally and internationally, because I think that you know when you started as freshman in high school, um, the war in Iraq had not begun. Um, now it's you know it's all over the news. It's what we talk about. All you know, all day, every day. It seems like mm-hmm. um, doesn't look like there's. Uh, well, there, the exit strategy is still a little bit of a mystery. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, Joe, why don't you start? You know, just comment on you know how much of your time and effort and energy and, and your friends you spend thinking about what's going on in the world. And is it something you discuss? I, I think it is something we discuss. I mean. There are especially certain people that, that I talk with on you know either a daily or, or weekly basis on that about this kind of thing, and um, you know I really think that 
there are a lot of you know different ways to look at the question. Uh, I think probably for me the biggest problem you know right now in the U.S. is that we're running like these this giant deficit uh, or something like eight point three trillion dollars in debt. You know, uh, and and so I think that's a lot of people are are trying to figure out whether that's a thing that is a, a big problem right now or whether. Uh, that's something that, you know, since we're the United States, we're the biggest economy, we're the richest nation in the world, whether it's something that we can deal with and not really have to confront at this, at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Monica? Well, I come from very liberal uh, backgrounds. And so any conversation that has to do with the war or our current president isn't always um, as positive as it should be because <laughs> he's the leader of our nation. Um, I think that it's a shame that we've allowed ourselves to get to a point that we have to come to war and and destruction of others to f- fill some sort of need that we have here. And I think there's a lot of confusion, not only um, locally but nationally, as to why, what's the purpose and what really is behind um, the war over there. And I, I myself and my group of friends, we have a lot of conversations about the politics that are going on and the uh, – the uh, war and there's a lot of frustration, I would say, amongst at least my um, peers and family, um, and that's unfortunate because we are a great, we're a great country and a great nation. And in the past, we've done incredible things with foreign policy, and you know, I, I hope that in the future and for our future generations, it can be a little bit more positive, and we don't have to be in debt like. Uh, like you said, yeah. it's a definitely an issue. Are there, um, you know, a lot of discussions in your classes about it? Or is this all sort of extracurricular when your friends get together at, you know, at lunch or on the weekends that the topics come up? Or are there are times when you can actually have sort of a more structured conversation about it? I would I would say most of it is extra is, is extracurricular. Um, I think you know I have a government <clears throat> class right now, and, and we'll discuss current events once in a while. Uh, you know, usually that would only happen in, in a humanities setting like a U.S. history or, or um, like I said, government or maybe economics. But other than that, we don't really discuss a whole lot um, in terms of current events or politics or um, anything in that field. It's probably safer that way. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of mm-hmm. teachers are apprehensive about giving their own opinions because you can be criticized for it and people will, you know – say stuff that isn't necessarily something you want to do. So I'll, uh, the teachers that do talk about it are very particular as to what they say and giving their own two cents. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, humanities is um, my um, government teacher, Miss Wilson. She was always very open to having conversation because she knew there was a lack thereof in most of our other mm-hmm. classes. Right. So. I, I think that while you know, there can be some conflict that arises when you talk about that kind of thing, uh, it's really very important that we we do discuss it. I mean, I think in class as well because um, there are a lot of people my age and, and younger, and you know, everyone in this country I think has a pretty structured and formed idea about where they think the country should be heading. And if we don't talk about those things, if we don't get challenged in our own beliefs, then there's no real way that we can decide whether or not you know we are you know. We've got the correct opinions, whether we are, you know, really defending our own beliefs or not. So, um, I think that the idea of a challenge, of a challenge and an open discussion, is really important. Mm-hmm. Do you have any? Uh, I would think if I were 18 years old right now, I would uh, be keenly interested in this. Um, 
from almost a safety issue as much as anything. And I wonder if that's, um, do you have any sense of um, dread or is there, you know, within your age group about the current situation? Are you talking about like the idea of a draft or something like that? Yeah. You are. Um, I think that's a scary idea. I don't think it's a political reality. Um, I think right now there are certain things that politicians can't do. They can't raise taxes or they won't get reelected. They can't, they can't propose a draft or they won't get reelected. And so people might talk about it. They might say we need more troops in Iraq. We need, we need more troops, period. Um, but for a politician to actually go out there and say let's institute the draft, they know they're not going to get reelected next time around. So it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, too, that the fear that comes out in people about terrorism and um, wars and bombing is uh, brought on by ourselves and the media as well. I mean, we're afraid because we're told we should be afraid a lot of times, and people are willing to believe that there is something to worry about. I mean, yes, you want to be concerned about other nations bombing your own, like 9-11, I mean, as an obvious example, but... I mean, you can't live your life in fear either, and I try to remember that, you know, if it was my country being bombed, um, <laughs> I would feel a lot differently. So I always put myself in, um, con- like, third-world countries like Iraq and Iran that have had major destruction happen to them um, over over the past years, and whether that's uh, they deserve that or ne- that needed to happen for better change to come is basically an opinion, but if it was me, I'd be <laughs> not so happy about that, I don't think. All right. Our phone number is 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the local calling area. The email address is noon at indiana.edu. Uh, we're having our show today where we talk to uh, high school seniors who are getting ready to graduate. Monica Black is here from Bloomington High School North, and Joe Walsh is here from Bloomington High School South. Um, every year when we, we do the show, and, and we always have to say, we at the, at the end of the year, we do kind of a wrap-up show, and this is always one of our favorites. So thank you again for, for coming here and being here today because um, we really do learn a lot during this show. But one of the questions we always like to ask is, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously you're both very successful and, and have thrived in the high school environment. What, what did your parents do right? <laughs> I think my parents read to me a lot as a child. I think that was the biggest thing. Like, it, it sounds corny. It sounds like something that you may either take for granted or don't even think about. But since I was like two years old, I think my mom was just reading things to me all the time, and that I think that just really gets you involved in in thinking about the world and thinking about things outside of your own room or your your playground or wherever you happen to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the idea that there are things going on outside of you, you can get that as a as a child. You know, never leave the house. But you can still think about, you know, worlds outside. I think I, I walked around saying there is no oxygen on the moon when I was two years old. That was <laughs> I everyone I saw because <laughs> I actually read that too in a book, you know. Yeah, that's great. Well, I would credit my parents with being um, ever supportive um, and ever encouraging. They sent me and my older brother, and we just adopted a seven-year-old, and he goes to Marlin. Um, But we went to Bloomington Montessori School, which is a much different structure than the um, public elementary schools um, in our city. And Montessori really stresses independence. And so I learned that at a very young age that if you want to have academic achievement, you get the academic achievement and you have to work for it. No one's going to hand it to you or, or hold your hand through that process. And so my parents always encouraged me to... Um, 
study and and do it for my own satisfaction and betterment and and not just to make them happy Mm -hmm. um and so having that constant you know pushing was always um really nice and um they were always encouraging for me to try new things which is good because when you're young you know you kind of get stuck on a track you know and that's comfortable and to branch out from that is hard and i would credit my parents with always being there to Give me a little shove out the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and not being afraid to let you change gears. Right, right, and yeah, and accepting that because sometimes your kids will change gears, and not always in the best direction. But you know, they they keep they kept me pretty on track for four years, and I appreciate that because mm-hmm. that's hard job, <laughs> <laughs> especially with two high school kids in one house. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. My brother and I are only a year apart, so it was pretty. Wild growing up some days. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> All right. We have a phone call. Let's go to the phone. John, go ahead. Well, I appreciate uh, you're taking the call, uh, Mr. Zalsberg, of course. And uh, just a couple of things for the uh, for the young folks. Uh, perhaps for, for Joe first, I'll pick on him. Um, and the first question, let me turn my radio down so I'm distracted here. Excuse me. Uh, well, I'm thinking the Georgetown and the uh, National Service uh, aspect of international relations. And then I'm also thinking, and this is, I, I call it Tempest on Teapot, betray my own bias here in, in the Herald Times. Heaven, heaven knows we always read this rag. I'm joking, I'm joking. I know, I know. Yeah, but um, <laughs> our call, the parents, specifically the North parents, not, not very many, going through the horror of concerning, oh my gosh, you might have military recruiters send uh, horrible propaganda with military cooties all over to our young uh, men and women, and how what a horrible that would be. And yet we have very competent, very mature uh, young folks that you have with you today can handle this information and weigh it, the merits of a military career versus a non-military, uh, well on their own. So my first question is, is there any real objection to recruiting on, on campus or to kind of military material? Uh, John, I think it's, a, it's kind of a delicate question. Um, I know that, especially in this community, there are a lot of parents who are opposed to the idea of, of having military recruiters in high schools. Um, I'm personally not opposed to it. Uh, I think that most most people my own age and, and who would be targeted by recruiters have have formed enough you know opinions about the world and and they know um, they know about military service. They know that it's an option for them. Um, you know personally, I, I'm not going to go join the military right now. But you know I really believe that every option has to be open to someone. And so if there is someone who, may, for instance, they're trying to go to college, they want to, they want to get that, the money f- through you know, Army Reserves or the Army or whatever um, to attend school, uh, it really helps people who, who, don't have, who wouldn't otherwise have the option to go to a four-year school to be able to say, you know, okay, I, I guess I will join the military. I'm going to get that tuition assistance and be able to do something, do something with my life after I get out. Now, at the same time, there are risks associated. You know, you, if somebody does that, there's always the chance that, that they will go to the army. You know, I, a, a friend of mine, Winston, just got back from from two years in the Marines, and and he was um, lucky enough not to go. But there, you know, there's always the chance that he'll get called back and sent to Iraq. So, um, you know, I think that just like any other, you know, job or, or college recruiter or whoever, I think the army deserves or the military deserves a chance to recruit on in high schools. But I think you know. They they should never be allowed to you know you know bully or or intimidate anyone or or you know try and and you know single out an individual and, and press them to join the military. Um, but I think you know that's definitely something that has to be kept open. Let me do that real quickly. Don't leave you guys. Alone. And this is a follow-on to your earlier comments regarding the draft. 
Uh, and maybe just take just a couple of minutes here, just to very, very briefly uh, tell you about a 17 year kid two generations ago whose name was John. Graduated from down high school, went to IU because everybody expected him to go because I had like the highest SAT score in the school's history and this kind of stuff. And did terrible, was very, I mean, at age 17. Whereas you folks are all grown up now and you're, you know, more grown up to do. But I, I was really, really crummy. Ran away and joined the uh, Marine Corps and uh, went to Vietnam a couple of times, came back. And at that point, did several four point semesters and graduated no problem. Now, this is a roundabout way of getting to what do you think about some kind of all three, don't call it national service? So I had a high school age 18, female, no exemptions. What I'm also worried about, by the way, is certain of bright people or high potential folk from the military. I see it's really critical to have that mix. Reaction would be to a mandatory national service. Okay, I, I think, John, you were breaking up a little bit, but I think, uh, and you can just yell no real loud if I'm wrong, I think. So your question is, uh, what, what do they think about not necessarily compulsory military service, but just national service that could include something like the Peace Corps or some kind of service to your country that has you know, no military background? Correct. Very, very good. Yes, I didn't get a chance to get to that, but thinking uh, hospital assistance or hospital assistance. national park assistance or right. something okay. for country subjectors, as an example. Okay, Monica? Um, well, I think if a program like that was instated, I I think it would be encouraged and welcomed. And I don't think it's um, the Army or the National Guard or any of these military services that we have that should be the ones that are criticized because they are serving. They Their job is selfless, and for that, um, every American, I think, should be grateful. I think sometimes people get um, the message mixed up that, oh, you're affiliated with the military or the Army, and therefore you're bad because you're, you know, doing something that not all of us are 100 percent supportive of. And I think that's sad because programs like that or even a national um, uh, assistance or military service where you could um, still give and not necessarily be in another country would be an excellent idea. Um, And I think if one were introduced, it should be encouraged and welcomed. Um, At the same time, though, you you have to question why, you know, why are you, why do you want to serve? For what purpose are you serving? Um, And I think that's an individual thing that people who join or um, decide that's what they're going to do, have to answer for themselves. Um, but none of it should be criticized, I don't think. Um, I think um, there's some twisted views as to how people feel about um, the military and the Marines and the um, Peace Corps, and I wish our nation's opinion um, was more unified. I think a lot of people don't understand, really, um, how much th- those people give um, and how much they do for, uh, for our nation. I agree. I think, you know, the idea of compulsory national service would would be an excellent idea. I think compulsory military service would not be a good idea. You know, we don't have a need for however many seniors we have in high school every year. We don't have a need for another million soldiers or anything. But, you know, it's the old cliche, but, you know, John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And I think we do all have a certain duty to this country. We've got a lot of freedoms and a lot of um, opportunities that we wouldn't have if we if we lived anywhere else in the world. So, um, the idea that that we do uh, have a duty to this country is, is one that's very important. I think you know, th- someone who says you know, like you say, John, that that we need some some form of compulsory military service, or sorry, compulsory national service um, should be listened to, and, and I think that's a great idea because there are a lot of people who a lot of eighteen year olds 
who leave high school and they go to a four-year college and they're not ready, you know. They're not ready for the independence. They're not ready for the responsibility. And I think something like, you know, a national service, be it in the military or be it for the Peace Corps or, you know, maybe AmeriCorps, something like that, a lot of Teach for America, that kind of thing. Um, that kind of idea is, you know, that kind of, those kind of programs can really instill a lot of discipline and a sense of responsibility that people wouldn't have otherwise. So I think that's a great idea. All right, John, thanks a lot for the call. Hey, thank you. All right. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. Um, you know, compulsory national service is one thing, but I've, I've been struck um, in all the shows we've done and, and what I've learned in the last, you know, decade or so about how much, you know, volunteer service goes mm-hmm. on among young people today. Mm-hmm. Um, from basically middle school on up through high school and into college, IU has a lot of people. Could you talk about uh, you and your friends and, and your um, uh, dedication to service? Monica, you want to go um, Well, I am a part of Habitat for Humanity, um, and I know a lot, some people know what that is. Um, some people don't. Some people think it's just free housing for people who don't want to work, and that's not the case at all. Actually, Habitat builds houses, and then homeowners pay that um, loan back um, without interest over a course of years, and really it's um, a miraculous thing to be a part of. And my teacher, Mrs. Wilson, I give her all the credit in the world for um, roping us in and getting us involved in something as wonderful as that. Um, and it is, it is, uh, it takes up time and you have to be um, willing to dedicate. I've been in Habitat for two years now and all fall, that's what I did every Saturday. You go to work site and, you know, a lot of um, high school students especially have trouble getting up and getting out of our own little world and, you know, we want to hang out with friends and we want to do our own thing and that's great too. But um, the volunteer service that you can give just inside your own community, um, it's amazing the impact you can have because then you see those people again and you'll see them in the grocery store and go, oh, hi, we, we hammered nails together. How are you? <laughs> the window's doing okay? Did they, st- they stay where they were supposed to? Um, and I also did um, some volunteer work. Um, I've done two years of cadet teaching at Fairview um, with the same teacher, Mrs. Prost, and that has been a learning experience that I will never forget and I hold on to. And while I got credit for school, um, it was still every day, you know, an hour and a half of my time um, with kindergartners. And so that and uh, prevent child abuse from Monroe County. My mom used to be the president of that. And so every summer we make snow cones out at the fair. <laughs> and um, over the years, you know, when you're younger, you don't you don't really understand volunteering. You know, you're like, oh, my mom asked me to do this, and so I'm going to, and mm-hmm. it'll be fun, and I'll eat some snow cones or whatever, or, you know, build a house. But um, looking back now, I find myself very grateful for those experiences um, and more knowledgeable that um, in order for our community to be a better place, it really takes every individual to put in their time and their effort. And it doesn't take that much when you think about how much time you really have. And, you know, four hours can go a long way um, and you can help out. Um, families and little kids, especially um, if, if I can help give a little kid their own room and their own place to um, be, rather than being in some uh, form of substandard housing, um, I would be more than willing to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's really added to my character and uh, integrity as a person. And I encourage everybody to volunteer for Habitat. <laughs> so <I have> <laughs> two cents. <laughs> Carrie will appreciate that, I'm sure. Yes. Very well said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Joe? Uh, I can't really follow that up. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I haven't really had the opportunity that I would like to to do as much volunteer service. I was, you know, I had to work a lot and I was in, in athletics and things. But I know um, a lot of my friends have been involved in, in you know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Uh, there's an after-school program where, where you know, kids go and um, they have a few or maybe just one child who's coming from, you know, kind of a, a messy background, if you want to put it that way, and, and, you know, helping them to sort of have a good role model. Um, and I think, you know, the, the Bloomington North chapter of Habitat for Humanity is, is the best example because, I mean, if, if I'm not wrong, I think you guys built your own house, right? We've built our own house every year for five years and been able to sponsor one every year, which is uh, we're the only high school chapter in the country. Wow. Yeah, it's a really powerful thing. And so, you know, I think for um, for someone, you know, my age or younger to be able to, to you know, serve something greater than themselves and, and do it and, and feel rewarded by it and, and help others is just, you know, one of the best examples of, of, you know, how people should live their lives, really. Well, I think, you know, before I we have a phone call, and before I get to that, though, I, I think in, you know, I want to bring this topic up because I think that there's often a stereotype of young people that are, you know, young people are irresponsible and they're just playing with their, you know, video games and whatnot. But, <laughs> but you know, what, what percentage of, of your friends or the people you know in high school really do participate in some sort of volunteer work? Do you? Um, I would say the percentage is a lot higher than people think, um, especially now because volunteerism is something um, – it's not required obviously. But if you want to go to um, a good college, if you want to be academically successful, volunteerism is simply part of that um, routine now. Um, and a lot of my friends um, – you get involved later on in high school, I found, once you can drive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big assistance because when you're a freshman and sophomore, it's harder to get to meetings in the mornings and mm-hmm. go to places. Um, but I think a lot of high school kids are um, under-rewarded, even, even though you know there are those who give hours and hours and they get re- you know recognized at the end of years with awards and all of that. There are still people that give just a little bit of time, and that's still worthwhile. Um, and maybe they may not be, you know, the number one volunteer, but there are a lot of high school students, and um, I have a lot of personal friends who have given time, mm-hmm. you know, just because they want to and because they know it's a good thing, mm-hmm. not, you know, to put down hours on an application, even though that does help. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think there are a lot of kids at South, too, that do big brothers and big sisters. That's mm-hmm. something I've heard about for years now. And, I, I you know, I I commend all of those who have participated because... People don't always know how much we are involved. Yeah, I think it's true. Uh, young people, I mean, elementary school age kids will look up to high school mm-hmm. age kids. Mm-hmm. And if they're a good role model and mentoring the younger kids, it's really helpful. I think we're going to ask Rhett, our uh, caller, to wait for a minute because we need to take a break. We're more than halfway through the program. So uh, you're listening to Noon Edition. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Listening to Noon Edition on member supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332 2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow inspired architecture in the Brian Park neighborhood of Bloomington www.southdunnstreet.info. This is the final weekend of the Bloomington Early Music Festival. 
with a performance of Il Re Pastore this evening at 7.30 in our hall. Elizabeth Wright presenting an afternoon of French music at 3 on Saturday at First Presbyterian Church. The ensemble Chiaroscura eavesdropping at the Collegium Saturday at 7.30 at St. Mark's United Methodist Church. Sunday afternoon, it's harpist Zoe Vandermeer and Sunday evening, the ensemble La Monica. More about these and many other events on our website at wfiu.indiana.edu. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. Our two guests today are high school seniors getting ready to graduate. Monica Black is here from Bloomington High School North and Joe Walsh is here from Bloomington High School South. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 and you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. I want to thank Rhett for his patience. Rhett, you're next. Hi. Um, I just was listening about the military recruiting in high schools, and I had my opinion on that. Um, I'm a Marine Corps veteran myself, and uh, I really look back with fond memories on my time there and, um, you know, learned a lot about myself and other people. But... uh, in high school, I think it's a little young to be pushing the military. Um, I didn't have this experience, but a lot of people I was in with had military recruiters lying to them. And it seems like military recruiters do tend to uh, focus on lower-income people. Um, and we have an inordinate proportion of, of low-income people in the military. And it just seems like some sort of, like you said, the national military service or national uh, volunteer service of some sort would be an appropriate remedy to that. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right, Rhett. Thanks a lot for your uh, your comments. We'll get some reaction. Okay, Any, thank you. Thank you. Any any reaction from you know? I, Joe? I I agree. I think you know there is a definite you know uh, overrepresentation of you know lower income people in the in the military. Uh, I think the major reason for that is because they need the money, you know. And and if you're coming out of a high school in a, in a you know, in an urban sort of inner city area, or or you know, just from a low income family, if you want to go to college and you want to be able to, you know, either get some kind of technical or four year degree, uh, you probably need some tuition assistance. And that's, you know, that's the most visible option for that. I know that there are others. AmeriCorps is a great option. Um, you know, but I think the reason that you know low-income people are are overrepresented in, in military is because um, that has always been pushed as as a really good option, um, and I think we get in trouble for that because you know we find that a lot of those people they go off and they kind of give their lives to the country, and then they find out that later on you know maybe their service isn't over, they get called back, they're on you know I, I think you know there are various types of reserve that last for you know up to four years after you leave this, the military service, so. And that's not really something that recruiters talk about, you know. So. I'm going to disagree just for a minute. Um, I think lower-income kids, um, especially boys um, and African-American and um, Caucasian boys are targeted, not because they need the money, but because they may not know of any other option. Um, a lot of it is being educated, and when you're coming from a lower-income house, the education isn't always pushed as much as, much as it um, is in kids 
like um, Joe and I, who have had parents constantly informing and teachers and counselors telling us about the options available. And I think when recruiters target kids like that, they know that um, they're vulnerable, more vulnerable to that influence. And um, for a lot of those kids, there is no other option. It's not because they need the money. It's because what else what else can I do? You know, I'm kind of stuck because I don't I don't know about other options. Um, the military is not the only funding you can get. I know from personal experience, colleges will help fund your education um, over, you know, over half tuition and, you know, the other half you can be responsible for um, and it's doable. And so um, I think a lot of it is just not knowing. And so kids get roped in um, just based on you know, that being the only option they were confronted with. The recruiters are the only people that came and talked to them about their future, and no one else did. So that's kind of, I don't know, we're, we're agreeing, but disagreeing. Yeah, a little I, bit. I definitely that's agree, good, though. No. I agree no. with well, We're fine with that here. We do that all the time. Well, that's good. It's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, I want to ask a couple of questions about high school. I mean, what are you going to miss the most about it? And on the other side of the coin, you know, what are you going to really be glad to leave? behind? I don't know that I'm going to miss a whole lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, I think you know, I guess I'll go to what I'd, I'll be glad to leave behind and then try and come back to what I'll miss. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of just sort of structure issues that, that go along with high school and having sort of a regimented schedule and, and bells and hall passes and can I go to the bathroom, please? And, you know, things like that, that, that as someone, I'm 18 years old, legally I'm an adult, and I don't feel like I should have to ask permission to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water. And, um, you know, but I also, I also will miss the I, sort of the, the closeness that you get with your, with your peers, with your, with your teachers. I mean, you know, I'm going to a school that is, you know, it's only 7,000 undergraduates, but it's still a lot bigger than, you know, 1,800. I'm, I'm going to be seeing, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be seeing talking less with my teachers and things. I've, I've managed to become pretty close friends with a few of my teachers. And so... You know, I think I think that's what I'm going to miss—a sort of sense of a smaller community. Um, but at the same time, you know, leaving that, you're you're sort of broadening your your horizons, and you get to meet you know brand new people and, and be exposed to brand new things. Uh, that was uh, Joe Walsh from Bloomington High School South, who's going to Georgetown. Mm-hmm. So, in case you missed mm-hmm. the first part of the show, now Monica Black from Bloomington High School North. Well, I. Um would call myself a social butterfly. So as I prepare for Earlham, who, which only has a thousand students, it's actually smaller than my. Uh, it's about a thousand, give or take a hundred or so. Um, I mean, it's smaller than North. Um, I look forward to the social aspect of being able to talk to my professors on a first name basis, and like Joe said, getting. Um, the personal connection. I'm actually going to be leaving my little community here and um, hopefully making a new one of an even smaller caliber than Bloomington, if that's possible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so I look forward to that because I... It's amazing what you can learn from people you meet and, you know, especially in a college setting, people want to be there and they're there for a reason. At the same time, I agree with Joe, um, the regimented stuff that goes along with high school is a little restricting. And it has to be because not all of high school students are on the same level. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, some people need more structure than others. Um, And so I won't miss um, that aspect and the freedom will be um, wonderful, but... At the same time, you know, everyone always talks about going away to school, and as that, as all this finale kind of finishing <laughs> off is put in your face, you're like, wow, it really is, when you're living it, it really is kind of surreal. You always, you've talked about it your whole life, and mm-hmm. people have talked about it for you, and then 
when it's happening, it's like a little overwhelming and a little uh, frightening. You know, at, at the same time, it's mm-hmm. it's exciting too. Mm-hmm. All right, eight five five zero eight one one is the local phone number. Eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight is the number from outside of the Bloomington area. And email address is noon at indiana dot edu. You know, I've noticed during our discussion here today that you've both been very gracious about uh, when you referenced each other's school. And there's kind of a reputation in Bloomington for uh, a little bit of uh, let's see, healthy. Uh, how should we put it between Bloomington North and South? rivalry? Rivalry. Yeah, there Thank you. Go. you. Competition. That's right. That's right. How would you both characterize the relationship between the two schools? I've never personally felt much of a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I even I played football. You know, we we played Bulls North every year, and we beat them once. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I didn't play that game. Yeah. <laughs> and then we won like what forty two to nothing. I yeah. cheered that game. That's why I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a lot of friends who go to North, and you know, people that I've been in preschool with, you know, go to North. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think there's any kind of animosity or anything. But you know, some people certainly feel like that. So, well, and I take um, a class at South every morning, and so every first period I'm at South, and then I go to North for mm-hmm. two periods, and then I go to Fairview. So I'm in three buildings a day, and. After this year of taking math there, I've realized that it's all the same. It's it's the same. It's just different colors. It's just a different building, mm-hmm. a little bit nicer building. <laughs> <laughs> We're catching up. That's okay. Um, and, you know, I think the animosity is built uh, on people's own uh, insecurity. I mean, we're all, we're all high school students. If there was one huge building to house us all, they'd do it that way. It's just we live on different ends of town. And so... You know, I took some South people to prom, North's prom, and a lot of my friends went to South's prom, mm-hmm. and it was um, a really great time for everybody. And I think people should just kind of chill out about the, you know, South or North. I mean, no, not one is better than the other. Each school has their strengths and weaknesses, and I don't think the animosity is worth it, really. Mm-hmm. And so I don't—like I like, like Joe, I don't really feel a yeah. lot of that. I think, you know, since we've started doing this show, I think that that's kind of tapered off. It's yeah. been interesting. Uh, when we first started, there was more discussion about it. But each year, it seems like things have kind of mellowed out <laughs> on that whole scene. And in sports, it's more. I mean, you know, you right. know if you're an athlete, you're going to want to beat any competitor. And that's just kind of the territory you go along with. Um, but if you're not involved in sports, and I'm not, <laughs> that's just not really part of the whole, you know, scheme of things. I, th- I want to know too, along these same lines, um, how is conflict resolution handled um, in your schools? Personally, I haven't been involved with a lot of conflict, but <laughs> you know, I, I know that um, they they do some peer mediation uh, a lot of times. I, I think you know the school does a decent job of trying to work with the students instead of against the students in terms of. You know, if two people are having a conflict, they want to sit down and talk about the problem and resolve it and, and not just, you know, say, all right, out of school suspension, out of school suspension. Um, you know, I, I actually know a couple people that did peer mediation, and I think that um, it's, it's a pretty, you know, valuable, you know, resource for a lot of students who otherwise, you know, might, you know, either take their disagreements out, you know, physically or, mm-hmm. or at least, you know, emotionally and, and verbally. Sure. So, um, you know, I think they do a, a decent job at South. I don't know how it is at North, but um, you know there are always going to be people going to be people who have differences, and uh, I think everybody just has to kind of you know 
work as hard as I can to, to minimize those those conflicts. Uh, we we do have peer mediation at North, too, and um, a couple of my friends have been involved in that the past couple of years, and it is a growing program. And so it makes me happy to hear that they're doing that over mm-hmm. at South as well. And I think that's a really valuable um, resource to have because then you have um, adult mediators and student mediators, and both are important because – I mean, let's face it, adults and kids think um, and relate to things differently. So when you have two opinions, helpful opinions coming at you, uh, I found the success rate of solving those issues has been a lot higher with a mediation group. Um, unfortunately, though, I'm not, I'm not going to lie and say that everyone works out the kinks. A lot of kids I know have gotten suspended or you get Thursday schools or something for things that are, you know, pretty irrelevant, like coming late to class or, you know, you know, being a little smart aleck or something to somebody. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think that will always be part of high school because there's just a lot of us and there's fewer uh, administrators. And so they've got to do some sort of quick discipline. Um, it doesn't always work as well, I find, though, but they still hand out the the pink slips to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Go I, th- ahead, I think that, you know, there will always be um, – so as people mature, I think they sort of want to test their boundaries and, and I think, you know, there's always going to be some conflict there and, and you, know, you can't really avoid it. You just want to deal with it after it happens mm-hmm. um, because as people grow up, they just, you know, they realize certain things about themselves and they want to, you know, want to determine their place in the world. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. We're going to welcome uh, Kayla Fleener to the program from Aurora. She's on line one. And uh, Kayla, so I want to talk to you for a few minutes about Aurora, and then we'll, we'll uh, have to let you go. But uh, thanks for calling in. Okay, thank you. I'm, my apologies for not being there. I was told the wrong time. I uh, wish I could have been there. I wish we wish you could have been too, but that's okay. I, I really want to talk to you about uh, your experience at Aurora. Uh, and for, let me start with the first question that I asked, uh, asked both of uh, Monica and Joe. You know, what's next for you? Well, graduation is on the 10th, as you know. And after graduation, I'm just going to work at Kroger during the summer. Uh-huh. I've been working there for about six months already. Uh-huh. And in the fall, I'll be attending Ivy Tech for two years. Uh-huh. I'm going to get a general studies degree there, and then I'll move on to IU for journalism. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I saw your name in our newspaper this week for mm-hmm. taking some uh, pictures and doing the hall monitor yeah. question. So journalism is a good field. It uh, is. I love it. <laughs> t- um, you know, Aurora is different from North and South. Could you talk about, um, you know, what your experience at Aurora, what, what you like about it, and how it's different from the, the other two schools in the, count- in, uh, in the MCCSC? Well, first of all, I really love Aurora. I love the structure of it. I love the small setting. Aurora is a very small school. I think right now we have around 80 students. And uh, being so small allows the students to have more one-on-one time with the teachers and get more help. And basically, Aurora is like a big family. Mm-hmm. And it's very supportive. There's lots of encouragement and help. And it's just a good place to be. It's very positive, And I've had a very great experience there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that journalism is one of your interests. What other kinds of uh, uh, academic uh, studies have you had in Aurora? Mm, We don't have an arts program. We used to have art. In my first trimester there, we had an art class. But I like English classes. I've always liked English. I wish we could have photography and art there. That'd be really good to have. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we don't. But if we did have photography, I would have liked that. Mm -hmm. I've been on the yearbook staff several times. Um, last year I was the editor of the yearbook. 
Now, I'm going to ask the uh, other two this question uh, in a minute, but I'm going to ask it to you first. Uh, you know, when you think about your teachers at Aurora, you know, what are the what are the qualities that make them good teachers? The ones that you know, if you can pick out one or two, and you don't have to name them, but one or two that you think are the very best teachers. You know, what are the qualities that make them good? First of all, the teachers are just very caring. They actually care about you as a person. You're more than just, you know, you are more than a test score at Aurora. You're more than a letter grade. You're a person and an individual, and they care about you, and they want to support you in any way possible. And just the teachers' personalities, I mean, they're just great to be around. Like, my science teacher, she's just such a bright, bubbly person. Like, every morning, I can, I'm not a morning person. I come in, I'm kind of like, you know, blah, and then you go in her room, and she's <laughs> bright and chipper and like, hey, Kayla, and I'm like, hi. She's just so nice, and she makes me smile because every morning she is so happy, and she is just so glad to be at school teaching us. And seeing her in a mood like that makes me in a better mood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um is there any advice that you would give to um, the city of Bloomington? I'm going to ask this question of the other two, too, if we have enough, uh, enough time. I mean, young people grow up in Bloomington. It's a, it, it's a fine place to be. But are, are there things that you think are missing for people who are of high school age, uh, things that you'd like to see in, in Bloomington that aren't here? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what things exactly, but I've noticed because Bloomington being college town, pretty much all we have are bars. Uh-huh. And obviously I can't go into a bar. And there's just things for people my age, for teenagers, that are missing because we don't have much to do. Mm-hmm. Like my boyfriend and I, we typically go to a movie and walk around downtown. That's all we can do because there's nothing else for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Joe and Monica, you have any questions for Kayla before we let her go? Uh, when did you start at Aurora? Were you there for four years or? Actually, I started my second trimester my freshman year. I spent one trimester at South, and I'm a, a junior right now, but I'm going to be graduating a year early. So coming this 10th, I'll be out of school. So it's actually been three years. So you just didn't like the structure at South? or, or um... I was having a lot of problems at South with other students. Uh-huh. It was um, just a lot of drama and harassment. And honestly, no one at South would help me. I spoke to so many faculty members and so many staff members, and they didn't want to do anything to help me and get me out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Now, Kayla, coming from such a wonderful environment as Aurora sounds like it is, and I have a lot of friends that have gone through that mm-hmm. high school and really come out with a great experience like it sounds like you have, how will that differ for you um, going to Ivy Tech and then IU, which is so large and was one of the reasons I chose not to go there because of a uh, all the students, and it's a lot to swallow, you know, especially coming from a school with 80 students. Do you think you're going to have uh, trouble adjusting, or you think that transition will be easier because Ivy Tech is in the middle? Truthfully, I haven't thought about that too much, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> a little food for thought I there. think I'll do fine. I mean, when I was at South, having so many people around me, it wasn't the greatest thing, mm-hmm. but that wasn't my main problem. My main mm-hmm. problem was with just the students and harassment. Mm-hmm. But I do find in large situations like that, so I don't think that will be a problem for me. Well, good luck to you. Um, Thank next you. Good luck, Kayla. Yeah, and Kayla, we're, we're gonna we're gonna let you go now, and uh, we only have three or four minutes left of the, of mm-hmm. the show in here. So we really appreciate your calling, and and yeah, I'd say good luck too. Okay, thank you very much. All I'm right. sorry I could have been there. That's okay. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. And good luck to you too. Thank All you right, very thanks. much. Happy graduation. You. Yeah, you Bye. too. <laughs> 
All right. So I'm going to – I guess I'll go back to the question that I asked Kayla. Um, the characteristics of and qualities of, of the best, the top teachers that you've had. Monica, you want to go first? Um, I think like we said earlier, the best teachers I've ever had have been those that are there to teach and not there just to get a paycheck. And unfortunately, a lot of teachers are there just because this is what they do. Um, but I think a good teacher has to love – love children and love um, learning and love sharing a part of themselves because teaching, you're a public servant and your job is to um, better the future generations. Um, and I think that message sometimes get lost, gets lost, especially with the political animosity that can go on within a school corporation. It's a very um, discouraging job sometimes and um, to give so much of yourself and sometimes not get so much back is very hard. And so those who are successful and get praise, I found, are those who are 100% committed to the cause of teaching and learning. Um, and and I would say that message um, is slowly filtering uh, throughout our school and, you know, hopefully will continue to be the core idea around teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for uh, those of us who may go into teaching, possibly. Uh, if I have thought about it, but it's um, you have to be really prepared to give your whole self because it's not one of those jobs you can go into and kind of lose your mind at 9 and come back to reality at 5. I mean, you are invested, you know, 24 hours. And so that's, yeah. Okay. Joe? I feel like I've been, been really lucky in the teachers that I've had. Uh, I think, you know, I think, you know, what makes a teacher great is is having you know respect for your students like i told you earlier bob um you know respect for your students listening uh a lot of teachers that i've had you know have have really just been completely set on preparing each and every one of their students for life in the real world and i you know i think no matter what subject they're teaching be it math which i'm never going to use uh you know you might use a little just kidding or, or history or anything you know um just, just you know, good people who are out to to do the very best they can and and get the very best that they can out of their students. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a lot of the the AP advanced placement courses that mm-hmm. I've taken have had some really great teachers, people who have who have life experience outside of of school. Uh, two of my teachers had were you know in the military. Uh, one named Kathleen Mills was a reporter for the HT. Mm-hmm. Um, I know her well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think a lot of those, a lot of those experiences, sort of filter through in, into you know the life and and you know interactions with with students. And I think you know I I've been lucky, and I'm sure you know Monica and many others have been lucky to to see so many um, really qualified and caring individuals who. Um, our, our teachers and, and they do a great Absolutely. job. I have a question that we really haven't asked our students before, but let's just say that you weren't going to college, uh, even though both of you are. Would, do you feel that you could go out in the world now and, and take care of yourself? Um, yeah, I do, but only because um, I have had a job um, since I was 11, and I've had the same job uh, for seven years now. And so the work ethic that has been instilled in me over the years is now there permanently. And mm-hmm. I think that if I wasn't going to school, um, that that would maintain me. Because really, if you have the gumption to work, you have the gumption to go to school. It's just um, kind of a different um, world, really. There's not much. I mean, it's not that different I don't see. Um, and yeah, I think I, it would be much harder, though, because when you're going to school, there is the the future vision that it'll be easier when I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing this so it'll pay off in the future. Um, but if I had to do it now, I would say that I have been prepared 
not necessarily through school, but just through life's experiences and, you know, I babysit as well. So you just get a taste of it as you grow up. And um, and I know a lot of people that aren't going to school right now, and mm-hmm. I think they're prepared um, at least to, you know, try, test the waters. I mean, if you don't try, you'll never know how you do, so... Yeah, I agree with Monica. You know, I, I've been she's been working since she was eleven. I've been I've been working twenty plus hours a week uh, on top of school since sophomore year, and and I think you know I've been you know lucky enough to have some some good jobs, some good you know bosses and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I wasn't going to go to college, I I'd be able to I'd be able to handle myself, I'd probably be able to pay the rent. But you know, mm-hmm. it ain't easy making six bucks an hour or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. trying to trying to get by and trying to you know feed yourself and clothe yourself and, and pay the rent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I, I think that's one of the major problems in, in the country right now is that it's difficult to get mm-hmm. by without a college education. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is. You know. Minimum wage doesn't, doesn't cut it. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we're out of time. So I, I don't know about you, Mary Catherine, but I, I know that I was not let down at all. No, These guys this are, has been a great another, another, hour. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a really great experience. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for having us. Appreciate so I want to thank our two guests today, Monica Black of Bloomington High School North, and good luck at graduation in Earlham. Thank and you. Joe Walsh of Bloomington High School South, and good luck at Georgetown. Thank you. All right. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, and we had two producers today, Ryan Cost and Claire Deedy, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.